0: Logical Progression Year 1, Lesson 2 Bismillah rahim Alhamdulillah As-salatu was-salamu ala rasulillah Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala Jazakumullahu khairan for the uh, small wait As I just explained a few things um, So let's uh, Let's dive straight into the text You should all now be looking at Actually, why don't we look at the actual uh, cover uh, itself? And we, we we did look at the cover, and I realised that, subhanAllah, that we didn't even really uh, talk about the Arabic or explain the Arabic. So uh, let's uh, have a look at the the Arabic itself and just read that uh, title. The book says Zad al-Mustaqni' fi 'Iqtisad al-Muqni', and then in brackets, this is of course a bit of extra kind of wordplay from the uh, from the um, the one who has put this version together. That's the best way to explain this. He's not officially involved with the book in any way. But he's written, في بِنْ uh, 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 Meaning that uh, the book is, the book called Zad al-Mustaqnir. And I'll explain all these words in a minute. Uh, the book is Zad al-Mustaqnir. Uh, uh, being a summary of the book Al-Muqnir. all right? Uh, according to the jurisprudence of the imam imam ahmed ibn hanbal al shaybani may allah be pleased with him uh, based upon the uh, original al aslu for shaykh Mwaffaq al-din abdullah ibn ahmed ibn qudama al maqdasi thumma yani meaning that the original book the original book al-muqni' is a book belonging to shaykh uh, muwaffaq al-din uh, abdullah Ibn Ahmad, Ibn Qudama, Al-Maqdisi, and then later because he spent so much time in Damascus at the Mishki, And this was then summarized. Ikhtasarahu al-A'lam al-Sheikh Abu This is, then it was later uh, uh, summarized by the great erudite scholar, uh, Sharifuddin, the honor of this religion, Abu al And that is Kunya. You know when you have this Abu uh, Abu Diasin, Abu Abu Isa, Abu Yahya, Abu Omar, Abu Abu Naja. It's just called a Kunya in the Arabic language. Um, and there's some fancy English name for it, if someone knows. What, what, what do they call that? So I, I did read it somewhere. There is a fancy name for that. But it means the father of. And it's, a, it's not a nickname. People call it a nickname. It's not. It's a nomenclature. A, 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 an established nomenclature. A, a, a manner of naming people. And it's the Arabic culture. Um, and... Uh, Muslims have generally picked up on it. Of course, there's no sunnah in it whatsoever. Some people actually kind of, you know, uh, they go around thinking it's a sunnah for me to take a kunya. That, you know, my name is Muhammad, but I need to find myself a kunya. I'm going to call myself Abu Fulan, Abu whatever, right? And of course, you know, uh, that's not the case. It's just that, yani, it's the way uh, of the Arabs. And then, of course, the Muslims have always respected the Arabs uh, immensely. And so they followed them in this. So Abu Naja, by his name... What is his name? The, the 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 man that we're talking about, who made a summary of this book, uh, Musa ibn Ahmed ibn Musa ibn Salim ibn Isa ibn Samuel al-Hajjawi. All right, this is the uh, the author of the book that we are looking at, and we're not really concerned with all of that. Yani thirty six yani parts of his name. We're just interested in al-Hajjawi, and that's what he's referred to as uh, when it comes to the uh, study of fiqh. When it comes to study. We only refer to him in this way, Al Hajjawi. And then it says, Athuma ad because he also then went to Damascus. Rahmatihi. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompass him in his mercy. So that's just a quick look at the uh, the the title. This is the the page that I just read from. Okay? This is the front cover page. Now what we want to do is that we wanna uh, move on to I've got a few things to say, I want to mention a couple of points. Um uh, the, next, the next page, by the way, is just showing that the work was done by this, uh, this institute um, because this is a, a freely available uh, text in Word on the internet, and which I just found and then I copied the Arabic from it. We did my introduction, we're not going to do that. Let's have a look at what our translator, Brother Musa, what he mentioned. And you've got to appreciate, like I said, this is the text which is not to be published or distributed publicly. Um, uh, th- that's the agreement that we all had We're studying yani, with an amana. There's a trust there involved So let's respect that inshallah uh, And that's because As you can see if you've read these notes And I'm hoping that you haven't You should always read ahead by the way Just a couple of pages It doesn't matter if it doesn't make any sense But it gives you context so you know what's going on roughly and so on. You will have read ahead. I can tell you that we're not going to get even halfway that where you've read up to. I can say that right now. But that doesn't matter. The point is that you read ahead. You get some kind of idea of what's going on. And then that's my job. I'm here to explain the details. But if you have read ahead, you will have seen from the introduction. It's very chatty, right? Very chatty, very personal. Actually, I deleted some things from this because it says, hey, uh, brother so-and-so, can you just send the guys this? You know, it's like an email kind of introduction. And so I took that out just to show that this really is a draft Kind of uh, piece of work that was going out to a group of brothers when they started to study this text with uh, Sheikh Musa, and so um, I want you to to keep that in in uh, uh, keep that in point. So what he says um, is that this starts out uh, this starts out, meaning the book al muqni starts out as the origin uh, the original book is the second work of Imam Ibn Qudama. Ibn Qudama. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this, but let's just quickly just go through the uh, introduction first. That book was called Al-Muqna. And then, and he was born, as you can see, 541 Hijri. So that's shy of uh, a thousand odd years ago, 950 odd years ago. So you can imagine, he is, he's not like some modern day scholar. He was right there where it counts, where ilm was fresh, the hadith had been collected, he is an Imam, Ibn Qudam. I don't want to talk too much about him now because I'm going to repeat him again. al hajawi who's our, bo- our boy, okay, he's our man. He was born uh, 895 Hijri and he died around 968 Hijri. And some of the ulama said 960. There's some discussion. And you need to know, you know, that um, uh, uh, Muslims, especially early Muslims, we're not too fussed about birthdays and and, and you know... The days that people died, Yani. You know that's a modern-day phenomenon. Yeah, uh, people are really concerned. It's like Shahid Afridi, right? Everyone's Yani looking at him, and he's playing cricket, and everyone thinks he's like 26 years old. Because when the guy Yani put his application forward, he just put some black Yani date of birth. I think he must be at least 45. The Guys, at least 45. Every, every person who comes to this country, and he, you know, they ask them, what's the date of birth? We, we, and when they go to the, the passport office, what's your date of birth? They go, we don't know no date of birth. 1st of January now. That's why so many Muslims are born on the 1st of January. <laughs> 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 Honest to God, yeah. do a just a random survey of Afghanis and Somalis. All right? Allah. what you? Come on, man. I have to give a shout out to the Somali allay. Somalis today. Somalis, Afghanis, I and mean, these are two big immigra- uh, uh, um, uh, uh two big uh, immigrant populations, right? And the nisba, yani yeah, I mean, the percentage of one one, yani yeah, I mean, first of January amongst them is amazing, and it's nice because actually no one knows, yani yeah, I mean, when you ask about yani yeah, I mean, when they were born, that was yani yeah, I mean, sometime it was the year that it was really 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 hot. You remember that year? That, that's the kind of thing, you know, we're not too fussed about the, the date. So you need to know that as a principle. It's very important that that's why we're very relaxed in our, whether he was born this day, that day. is not very important. Unless, of course, there is a legal point that we're trying to prove. Most of the time, there is no legal point that we're trying to prove. Anyway, so he summarized that original book and he called it Zad al Um And he gave only the, what he's written there, the preponderant positions. Preponderant is a nice word. This in Arabic means the Rajah. Uh, preponderant means what he considers to be the strongest according to the, um, according to the evidences. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to step back a bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background to what all of this names and schools and preponderant and this and that. What is it exactly that I mean by all of this? Um, think back to, uh, and forgive me obviously many of you will know this already, but we need to say this. Um, think back to the Prophet ﷺ. Making statements, doing actions, Sahaba observing. Some Sahaba are there all the time, and even there all the time is only restricted to all the time they could do. But they can't be with the Prophet's life 24/7. He's a family man. He's at home. He spends nights elsewhere. He travels, etc., etc. So not every companion, not any companion indeed, has a complete handle on the Sunnah. You need to know that. And that is the number one reason for why there are differences in uh, people's opinions with respect to action. Why some people pray with their hands up here, why some people pray with their hands down there. Why some scholars consider that to uh, wipe their head to a certain place is an absolute condition, whereas others. ...are considering that much less than that is sufficient. All of the fiqhi differences that you know. And fiqhi as we said, the legal differences as we mentioned last week. These companions therefore, they go, they don't have the full picture, but they travel around amongst one another. We have many, many instances and many, many reported uh, 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 narrations where they will be going to visit another companion, uh, uh, ostensibly someone older... And they will check a narration Then they'll go back to Baghdad yani, and Then travel to Mecca That crazy distances Just to fill in the gaps yani. You know they've got these little holes that They want to fill in with their knowledge Still You've got these gaps About what they observed And what they didn't observe Add to that Difference in interpretation We have a hadith Which you all know about Where the Prophet For example In the hadith When he said Listen I want you guys to pray Asr When you get there Right He told the Sahaba I want you to pray Asr When you get there they the companions, they split into two groups effectively Right, they both set off And uh, the one group understood from the Prophet Sallallahu He wants us to get there in a rush He doesn't want us to delay at all And so you know what, I'm gonna get, we're gonna go there And we're not gonna pray exactly like he said because he's in a rush And so they got there and then they prayed Asr when they got there And that was exactly following the word of the Prophet ﷺ. The other group, they understood that statement as What he wants us to do is to get there in a rush It's not about Asr. And we're taking a shortcut. And we're going to get there before those guys anyway. So you know what? That statement doesn't really apply to us. So we can pray on the way. And when we get there, we are going to get there early anyway. So they understood the intention behind the Prophet statement in a different way. And so that's exactly what they did. And the Prophet ﷺ, he did not criticize either group when he met them afterwards. Meaning that both to him were acceptable. And there are other hadith of course which show to us that when a judge, meaning a scholar, meaning a person who has to make a decision, and he's qualified to make that decision, and he gets it right, we're talking about a decision here, an Islamic decision. He gets it right, he gets two rewards. He gets it wrong he gets one reward. Now that's interesting. Because this is called Ijtihad. Ijtihad is um, uh, it's very difficult to explain, uh, uh, to have a, a single English term. But it means to try your best to arrive at a legal decision. Okay? It means uh, a, a, a normally a new legal decision. And so a person's Ijtihad is always going to be specific to and subjective to that person, his experiences, his education, his context, his reality, the way he appreciates things, and so on and so forth. So there's always going to be differences in ijtihad between different, uh, different people. And just the fact that the Prophet ﷺ has said that two rewards and one reward, as opposed to right and wrong, also opens the door to show us that actually there's always going to be difference of opinion, and that's acceptable. It's not praised don't, you know, there's a lot of kind of, uh, 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 there's like a, a movement out there saying, "Yani you know, that it's great that people differ. It's not great, you know. It's a consequence that people differ, and that's okay, because people are going to differ. But it's not something we should shout out from the rooftops and say, we're so proud of this, this is beautiful, we're such a pluralist religion. No, no. If we're pluralist as a consequence, fine. But we don't intend to go out and differ. Every scholar who, uh, who uh, comes to an issue that they have to deal with, they all want to get the single correct answer. They don't want to have just four different answers for the sake of having four different answers. So that's a misconception that you need to uh, 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 have clear in your mind, clear up from your minds with respect to fiqh. These guys then go, they have students, they have big circles, and then they, they inhabit kind of key Muslim cities and areas. And so what happens there is that then their opinions solidify. And they solidify in that people start to then understand their opinions in the light of principles. That okay, in this for, for my teacher, and his teacher is like big student of Ibn Abbas, or his student like Ibrahim al-Nakhai, or whatever, Hamad ibn Salama, or in Iraq, these are big students of like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud or whatever. So he will say that my teacher will prefer the Qur'an every time over the Sunnah. The Sunnah can never ever specify anything in the Qur'an. But the Qur'an can always specify the Sunnah. This is called usul al-fiqh. Your methodology about how you're going to derive a ruling. What are the rules? What's the, what's the rules of the game? Yeah? And when you're about to make a ruling, what do you give priority to when you have a number of evidences? What do you reject completely and so on? And so therefore, schools and ideas and concepts starting to solidify. And in, the, in this development... Over this 100 years, whatever, um, we're then starting to uh, see big imams come forward who become specialists in fiqh. Specialists, because now the knowledge which was very, very kind of uh, 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 with sahaba that had spread out, it's now starting to be now kind of like gathered together and now scholars can really encompass opinions. And so we had then the establishment of uh, schools and then the rise of the imams. A plural, uh, an And we have hundreds upon thousands of imams. And from the greatest of the imams, Imam Sufyan al-Thawri, Imam Sufyan uh, uh, ibn Uyayna, Imam al-Awza'i, Imam al ibn Musa'ad, huge imams of fiqh, which we now don't remember their names so much. I mentioned those guys on purpose. They are the absolute equals of the four imams that you all do know. But by hook or by crook, by political Movement, by persuasion, by uh, eloquence, by this, by that, by barakah as well. Four imams came forth from these hundreds and their their legacy and it's a testament to their work and to their excellence. Their legacy has remained today 1400 years later. These four imams, Imam Abu Hanifa, he was born in Kufa in the year 80, the year 80 after the hijrah. Um, and he passed away in... 150 Hijrah. And then you have Imam Malik ibn Anas, Imam Malik. And he was born in, of course, Medina. And he was born in the year 93 Hijri. And he passed away 179 Hijri. And then you have Imam al-Shafi'i. And he was born in Palestine, in Sham. The word Sham is a very common word that you're going to hear today. Sham is the classical phrase... Uh, that refers to the current day Syria, Jordan, Palestine, Lebanon region. Okay? This is called Sham. It's a blessed region. It is Mubarak. It's in the Quran. It's upon the Sunnah. It's why, other than, other than our concern for Muslims and what happens to them on a worldly basis, wherever they are, whether they be in Afghanistan or whether they be in Iraq or whatever, but Sham has a very, very special maqam amongst the Muslims. Special maqam. Because of the Prophet ﷺ praising it. Because all the action is going to kick off in Sham at the end of time. So we've got to get Sham ready. Yeah? Because that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Yeah? And you want to see the action. Yeah? You want to see where the Jal goes down. You want to see yeah, all that kind of yeah, any, uh, descent behavior. And water drops falling off the hair of this. Yeah, any, Isa salam Then that's where it's all happening. It's all happening in Damascus. So this is Sham. Okay. So Sham is therefore... Uh, What it used to be modern day. We will call it Palestine. We won't call it anything else We will call it Palestine so and then we have uh, And you can see that pretty much this is in chronological order even though they met each other and sat with each other The final of the big four Imams the four Imams of fiqh All right is Imam Ahmed Ibn Hanbal al-Shaybani. Imam Ahmed Ibn Hanbal He was born in the year 164 Hijri and he died in the year 241 Hijri special uh, he, he has a title called Imam of Ahl Sunnah He is the Imam of the Muslims He defended the Aqida in a political sense And in a popular sense He was a muhaddith by uh, his speciality As well as being a, 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 an Imam in Fiqh It's an acceptable criticism to say and I, I mean not a correct one But it's within a range of academic argument That he is not as faqih maybe As the other three Imams uh, you know, a lot of humblies get really upset at that. They say, how dare you? He's Imam in fiqh. How can you not be? But he is. He is. But, Yani, if we were to compare between the skill in fiqh and the speciality in fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa, then I'm sorry, Yani, there's no comparison. Imam Abu Hanifa in fiqh and Imam Ahmed in fiqh is like two different stories. But then, of course, if we were to compare the two in hadith, then again, it's no comparison as well. And there are strengths, and we should appreciate that. And this is, this is a lot of nuance and I just want to say that I'm not going to go into too much history of, uh, history of the history of figures and madhahib and so on, because otherwise, this class is going to take uh, 30 years instead of 20. <laughs> 20, I think, yeah, 20 years. Right, so anyway, uh, I'm Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. He's yeah, a superstar, he start, studies under uh, Qadi Abu Yusuf Qadi Abu Yusuf of course is Hanafi, he's the companion of Abu Hanifa So he's taken from the Hanafis, he studied from Shafi'i himself So if he studied from Shafi'i, Shafi'i studied with Imam Malik right? And, yeah, and when he went to Imam Malik, Malik yeah, and he, you know, thousands of people came to Imam Malik But he, could, he saw and he looked at uh, Shafi'i and he knew this boy was special And so Shafi'i yeah, and it really soaked up what Malik had So I want you to understand, Ahmed, he has Qadi Abu Yusuf, which is pure Hanafi direct. Alright, pure Hanafi direct. And then he has Shafi'i as a key person in his life, and a key influence as well, because Shafi'i is very hadithi, very hadith and uh, very kind of uh, narration based, which is why when you divide these four imams into two broad groups, as the scholars of thought and opinion, and the scholars of narration, Malik and Abu Hanifa come in Ahlul Ra'i, ...the scholars of thought and narration and opinion... uh, ...the scholars of opinion, sorry... ...and Shafi'i and Ahmed... ...they become into the other group... ...which is the Ahlul Hadith... ...the people of Hadith... ...because their focus was always on Hadith... ...and less leaving me to my own devices... ...they didn't want to be left into their own devices... uh, ...and try to come up with a fatwa... ...where there was a possibility of finding a narration... ...whereas the other two... ...especially Abu Hanifa... ...he'd be often forced into such a position... Why would he be forced in such a position? I'm spending too much time on this, but this is important. You know where he was? In Iraq. Oh my goodness, so much fitna in Iraq at that time is unbelievable, right? So many people going around lying, so many people doing bid'ah, we have Shia, Rafidah, Qadriyyah, Khawarij, every sect you you can think of, from A to Z, It was there in Iraq at that time, killing people, lying, creating, fabricating in religion, blah, 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 making a hadith, this, that, whatever. Abu Hanifa, and he's facing all this nonsense, and he has to now start laying the law down. And realizing that he does not have the, uh, not the, but as good an ability or as good a resource with his people to be able to have 100% confidence in the narrations that, that are reaching him. This is like, a, I'm taking a few liberties there, but the point is is that he was forced more to rely upon his skill as opposed to always have so many narrations in front of him to use. Later on, yeah, it's the exact opposite. We have narrations collected, we have ahadith collections now being put together, we have books and lots of efforts, and so a lot of the hard work has been done. And so Imam Ahmed then comes, he takes from Hanifa, he takes from, Imam, uh, from Shafi'i. shafii has got Malik yani blood in him as well. So it's almost like all of the Madahib have been combined in Imam Ahmed. Now that's a very rosy, praiseworthy kind of picture of Ahmed that I'm obviously going to put forward. There are other people that would be very unhappy with my uh, uh, yani bias towards Imam Ahmed, you know, but they can go and uh, suck an lollipop. Right. So, the. Um, uh, now. I tell it was funny. I tell it was funny. I was thinking to myself, this class they call it logical progression. They called it what I called it. Call it. I called it, okay, no, I called it. And I think to myself, subhanAllah, what an irony. Yani, we called it logical progression, and um, we're studying a work which is actually not how one logically progresses in fiqh. Okay? One doesn't logically progress in fiqh in this way. What do I mean by that? Let's go back to the uh, 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 first uh, page. Have you got that first page in front of you? I like this, you see, because what, 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 what happens here is that we've, we've given the names of the books here. So, Ibn Qudama comes on the scene. Ibn Khudam is a giant. Alright. He is so knowledgeable, he's on this next level. Uh, I think what's it was, was it Ibn Taymiyyah? Ibn Taymiyyah said that oh, I could be wrong here, right? Um, and by the way, the reason that I'm not gonna go into so much detail about Ahmed and about Hambali and about this, that two reasons. Number one, plenty of material out there on the internet, plenty, good quality material. But secondly, inshallah, for next session, our forums for the students will be up. And that those forums will have a number of resources. I'm going to populate that yani, next week, inshallah. I'm going to put on um, uh, an introduction to the Madhab. I'm going to put a biography of Imam Ahmed. I'm going to use some of my fiqh salah notes, the one that I teach for Al Maghrib. Um, I have an extensive section. On uh, uh, Imam Ahmed and all of his students, these will all go onto our portal. So, and here we, we kind of focus more on meaning and explanation and commentary. As for obvious resources, which is already out there in English, then that's going to be directed to. So, just make sure that you, you're registered. You can't access the forum unless you're registered, of course. So, um, we're going to cover that in detail there. If you're thinking, why didn't he go into some more information? Why didn't he give us some more birth dates? You'll find all of that over there. I want you to focus on this, right? Ibn Qudama, he's like a superstar. He is the imam of the Madhab. He is the authority in the Madhab. alright? And just not just the holy Madhab. he's a superstar. As I said, Ibn Taymiyyah, if I'm not wrong. He said that uh, no scholar ever entered Damascus that was as knowledgeable as al-awza'i as Ibn Qudama. Al-Awza'i is one of the imams of the Salaf. Yani. So 500 years yeah, and 400 years later, he's making a comparison between it And that's not normally done. You don't normally compare on the knowledge level one of the early imams with the later imams. Like 3, 4, 500 years later, that's not done. So him to make that statement that I see Ibn Qudama and his impact upon the Sham region as big as the impact of Al-Awza'i is a massive statement. It's a massive statement, right? So clearly, clearly he was held in massive respect and You'll see that respect when you see his books. And not just his books, but actually the way that he set the system out. So if you just now, if you just now uh, uh, ignore these first two paragraphs, look at this next one. The great humbly scholar, right? Imam Muwafaq Ibn Qudam al maqdisi he developed a program, all right? Taking students from the very beginning of their studies to the very end, from having no specialized knowledge in fiqh, right? To becoming a mujtahid, to becoming a person who is able to make ishtihad, Yani the very highest level of scholar. All right? And his program consisted of a series of books moving the student towards the grand goal, meaning yani the end of knowledge, yani the highest level of knowledge in stages. Okay? And so, five books he wrote with this in mind. And that's why I said this, the, the, the most delicious of ironies, yani that uh, this class is called Logical Progression, and we've gone like, to level three as opposed to starting at level one. But anyway, I'll explain why we did that. So what did he do? His first book was called Al-Umda. Al-Umda, which is like the base, right? Uh, a basic manual of fiqh for beginners. Basic, yani. So it covers the basic rulings that every humbly needs. It only gives the predominant opinion for each position. Now, this is important. This is important. What does it mean by only giving, uh, uh, the st- only giving opinion? And a predominant opinion. This is what it means. You must wash your hands. You must wash it to the elbows. You then do it three times. You then move to the head. Then you wipe the feet. Then you. You know what I'm saying? No fluffing about. Not taking questions. Not saying this is the evidence. This is the evidence. Just this is the statement. This is the fact. Learn it later. Does that make sense? Yes. Because the way that the, the book is, is written, it's written for a guy who knows nothing. How dare you ask about, Yani, uh, what about this, what about that, when you have no idea about fiqh in the first place? So you just hear it and that's it. And that's how it's meant to start. And that's how all people should start. That's fine. But he mentions another point, which is a little bit unique to the Hanbali Madhab. He goes the predominant opinion. The Hanbali Madhab is a bit of a mission, okay? Because Imam Ahmed rarely just makes a statement. Remember, this is all going back to Imam Ahmed, right? What his opinion was. He rarely says that uh, the sunnah is to wash your hands three times. He will say, I'm just giving a, just a random example. He will say the sunnah is to wash it once. Another time he'll say the sunnah is to wash it twice. Another time he'll say the sunnah is to wash it three times. Okay? Now, don't focus on the example too much. Focus on the fact that he gives three statements. Right? <coughs> there is a whole science out there I remember reading a PhD when I went to Medina, Hajj just right now. I went to the house of Amdur um, the Ulamada in Medina and I read his P- I, I mean, he showed me his PhD, and his PhD, three years of study, right, was solely on how to determine the dominant opinion of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. That was his PhD, that's it. Not the opinions, just how to determine it. Mission, right? So you have three opinions, and the skill is to try and work out what really is his opinion. What is the opinion that all of his students and all of his his son Ahmed, uh, his son um, uh, Abdullah, and his uh, main students, and then the scholars that came after? What do they all think is the main opinion? And of course, they're going to differ amongst themselves. And so that differing amongst themselves leads to this, not confusion, but these different narrations about who really has the correct opinion of Imam Ahmed. Now, that's important. And that's why when a madhab develops over hundreds and hundreds of years, you will often find, and this exists in all of the madhabs, when I use the word madhab, I mean school of thought, yeah? Madhab from zahaba, yani to go. So the madhab is like, you know, the place and the way that one goes. So it's the, this is the way that we practice our fiqh. So this is the school of thought, the system of, 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 of law, in that, in, uh, according to that scholar. You'll find with every madhab, all the scholars themselves will have this idea that this is the ruling that we consider to be the one we give fatwa by. This is the one that is the established opinion in the madhab, the mu'tamad, meaning that this is the base principle, this is the base ruling, this is the one that we all agree on. And when there's difference amongst them, they will say, this is the Rajih. This is the one that we consider to be the strongest opinion. I want you to know about that. That's important for you to know that that exists. Because you will often, uh, when, you, when you further your studies, not so much now, you will need to know that maybe Imam Ahmed said something else. But it has been appreciably, uh, appreciatively shown that it was a weak opinion. And this was his opinion. Now, for Ibn Qudama, when he's writing his series of books... The way that he writes them is that he's not going to introduce any of these differences of riwayat, narration, at this stage. He's going to save all that for later stages. At the base stage, he's just going to throw out number one main opinion to not confuse this basic guy in front of us. Is that clear, everybody? Right. So his first book was Al-Imda, dominant position, not mentioning opinions, not mentioning any evidences. Didn't even really focus on a hadith, although there's some kind of argument that he does kind of indicate hadith. But anyway, the next book is called Al-Muqna'a. Al-Muqna'a. From the word Qana'a uh, or aqna'a Muqna'a uh, 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 means... Uh, you know the word Qana'a? Qana'a means like uh, satisfaction, contentment, like, you know, I'm happy, like, right? Muqna'a means the, the thing which gives satisfaction right the thing which gives you confidence the thing which makes you content that's what mukhne means like the satisfier that's like a fat title isn't it the satisfier what does that remind me of remember the days of uh, Dempsey and Makepeace (laughs) no one remember that alright never mind so the (laughs) the, uh, what was it I'm thinking about the punisher I'm thinking about something else completely the Satisfier. Anyway, I think that's a really bad translation. But that's basically what the book is. It is giving you all you need. Right? It's saying to you that this is all you need. How does it advance? It just does this, that which I did to the above, by mentioning different opinions for a given issue, without telling the student what is the predominant opinion. This is still within the Hanbali Madhab. This is still within the statements of Imam Ahmed. We're not talking going outside the Madhab yet. Okay? So this is mukna. This is Muqna, second level. The third level is, the third book rather, is called Al-Kafi. Now you can see actually what he's, uh, even in his naming, his nomenclature, he's trying to kind of create some kind of emotion. So the first one he goes, the Imda, is like the base. The second one he's saying, that which will give you satisfaction. The Kafi meaning, that which is enough for you, you don't need to worry about anything else. Kafi means, what is sufficient. And his emotion is like, you don't need to worry about anything else. So he's not adding to it more. How does he add to it? He starts bringing the evidences. So a student of knowledge, when he grows up and he grows older and he's arguing points, he wants to have some basis for what he's saying, right? So here he now hears the evidences for his position. Okay. Then the fourth book is called Rodat al-Nadhir. Rodat al is like, uh, translated like the garden of the uh, the, the one who is like a, uh, uh, serious and looking into his study. Looking into progressing, looking into moving forward yeah, And this is a book in Usul fiqh This is like getting the scholar ready for the, for the smackdown For the big thing which is coming next The next book And what is that book? That is called Al-Mughni Now Al-Mughni is also a very nice title يعني, uh, 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 Mughni, uh, uh, When we say hadha, yani, si yughnika, uh, an hadha, This will uh, If I give you this like you know, someone comes to me and says, "Mate, I need a quid. Yeah, can you can you spare some change?" And I give him twenty quid, right? And the reason I give him twenty quid is because I don't want him to do his bestie and he's doing uh, begging, like he's a brother or something, right? And so I don't want him to beg, and I've given him twenty quid because I want him to basically say, "Right, that's me done. I don't need to now stand here and ask another nineteen people and embarrass myself." So. I would say, This will suffice you and become, make you completely independent and free of having to go to uh, anyone else. Of course, yani, this comes from ghina. Ghina means uh, um, richness. Yes? Uh, when we say, when we, when we say uh, someone is uh, ghani, it means he's rich. Yes? And uh, Allah is al ghani. And uh, al-Ghani, when we refer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is rich, of course, but in, with, when we mean with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means that he's independent. He's free of need. Free of need. So this book, al-Mughni, it's translated title, if I was going to translate it, that which makes you free of need. Do you understand? That which makes you completely free of need. You don't need to think about anything else. You don't need to go to any other opinion. And this is where we're going to lay the smack down. We're going to give our opinion... We're going to give all our evidences. We're going to say to the rest of them, we're going to give them a Spice Girls line. We're going to say to them, come and have a go <laughs> if you think you're hard enough. Yeah? And so they'll all go and they'll put all the evidences forward. They'll say, we say this, we say that. We'll then say, nah, refute this, refute that, refute this. And then they'll come back with their opinion. And then we'll then take their opinion. Then we'll uh, criticize it. And then return we'll back. And they'll be back and forth, back and forth. That's what Mukni is. It's a book of comparative fit. It is an encyclopedia. Does that make sense? Yes. It's the very highest level, level five of the five levels. You, you feeling that, folks? Yeah. And so the first one was a base. The second one was Yani going to give you uh, some kind of uh, contentment. The third one would be enough for you. The fourth one, if you want to go to the, the scholarly level, this is what you need. The fifth one, listen, that's it. You have everything now. You don't need to worry. Mughni is huge. Where's Mughni? No, 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 no. Do we not have it? Yes no, no. Where which where am I why am I why can't I see it? Uh, I think they, um, yeah. Anyway, Mukni is like this big, yani. yeah. I don't know how many uh, volumes or whatever it is. It should be there, but I don't, I can't see it. Anyway, I'll show you, yani, I'll show you some pages from it uh, next time. So, Ibn Qudama he established system. Now you might <coughs> turn around and say, "Well, hold on, then, hold on." If you've gone all kind of, you know, this, that, whatever, with the five levels and, Yani you know, teaching, and you're now saying I'm going all traditional and this and that and fla and fla, then, Yani, you know, what you're doing then, uh, busting, Yani you know, uh, your Sharh uh, Mumti' which is a book which is actually going to go even further than the third level. It's not, it's actually like a mini Mughni. Uh, in a, like, a, in, in that, it's going to take the humble opinion, buy a... The, the, that's the microphone you just... Uh... You just stood up. Uh, <laughs> that's the microphone. Everyone can hear, yes? Yeah. So, the. Um, uh, uh, what was I? Mini, Mini- Mughni. Mini-Mughni. In that, this is going to take an opinion, even though he's a humbly himself, and he's going to take uh, the statement by Al Hjawi. And he's going to then turn it around. And he's going to look at it. He's going to criticize it. He's going to give evidences why he disagrees with it. Sheikh Uthaymin I'm talking about. And then he's going to put his opinion forward. It's way past the third level. And uh, in fiqh it's on a third level. But in intention it's at the fifth level. Does that make sense? Yes? Uh, 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 it It will become clearer later. The point is, it's not a beginner's book. It's not a beginner's book. So calling it logical progression. What is... Right... The next person who sits on that... Right, listen, you know what it's time to do, basically. Right, come on. Right. Bring up a thingy. Hakim. You know what it is I was going to do... I was going to do... Uh, uh, no, no, don't bring up Hakim. No, no, don't bring up Hakim. Don't bring up Hakim. No, 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 no. Bring up... Uh, you know what it is I forgot to do completely at the beginning. This is now not revenge, but I'm glad that Hakim reminded me. Um, I had to, I had to, I had to. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. I had to do an introduction to the PG team. Huh, because... Yani, at the moment, everything is all about me, 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 and you've got to understand that I'm a tiny, tiny cog in a huge Yani system, which is mashallah, arranging this, and of course Yani to all the people who are online, and you know a mass amount of uh, work went into it. So, uh, Shazad, are we on? With Shazad, Salim. Okay, so Shazad, Salim. You are now looking at Shizad Salim. Shizad Salim is right there. This is the Amir of uh, Prophetic uh, Guidance. And he is one of the, uh, the best brothers that I know, MashaAllah. And he's been running this game Yani, for a long, long, long time. He's been one of the, the long students of Sheikh Ihlan as well. And he's MashaAllah, mashallah, mashallah TabarakAllah. The next person is Sabira. Sabira is... Um, uh, as you can see, we put a picture of a, a computer up. She's the faceless one. She's faceless because no one's ever seen her, ever. No one knows what she looks like, to be honest, so we just chose a computer. So, so... <laughs> She's so not going to be happy with that. We have no idea what she looks like. I'm sure she's very, very nice, and she's very great. But she's one of our, she's one of our key, key people because she heads up the, the tech team. The tech team are uh, the next following people. which we can go to the next... Uh, Techy, which is Nasir, so so we have um, uh, Sabira. she runs everything, and then we have Nasir Ishvat, who uh, m- many of you locally here know because he does the Manchester uh, circle here for New Muslims. We have that on uh, yeah. So Nasser Mashallah, he's also involved with the the tech team. Um, then we also have Nadif and Nadif Satar, uh, likewise, you will know uh, locally, and he is uh, involved in the tech team. We have Ghulam, uh, who's um, Part of the brothers as well, uh, Ghulam, Unfortunately, you see his picture. That's the kind of picture that a new kind of guy puts <laughs> up, Yani. It's Yani. You know, we ask people for normal pictures, and the guy does some kind of Bollywood I don't know what's happening there. So that's uh, uh, that's a ghulam right there. And then we have uh, Abu Dhar Now I said to Abu Dhar today that you will really enjoy today's lesson. You will enjoy today's lesson because when you see his picture, please tell me it's showing now. Oh my God, that is Abu Dhar, Okay. When you go home and look at a recording, you will not believe it. All right? he, this is the, his picture that he wanted us to, to put up. <laughs> which isn't strictly true. I gave him a deadline to put a picture forward and he didn't do it. So Abu Dhar is very, very important. Yani, he runs all of the admin. He runs all of the... Uh, uh, yani, to be honest, it's too much. He, his, his is the office. His is all the work. His is everything. MashaAllah, Right, Who else? We have Ammar. Um, uh, Ammar Mahmoud. Uh, we have uh, Zafar. Um, and so you see Zafar now and we also have Bobs. Slow, slow, slow. Ma- slow no, no slow down, yeah, move on, yeah. These are the, the small guys, Yani. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put Bobs up, Yara, yeah, put Bobs up. There's my boy Bobs. Yeah, when you hear me talking about Bobs, yeah, there is only one Bobs. That's Bobs, okay? And Yani, yeah, he's not Bobs, and Yani yeah, Mahmoud is just unfortunately we lost that like about 15 years ago. Bob's has been our boy for the last 15 years, mashallah, from young lad, yani from Makki days, Masjid, Makki Masjid days, and now he's developed all the way to now being absolutely key member of uh, Prophetic Guidance. He's top man. When I'm dissing him, it's normally uh, on Facebook or something like that. Um, we have Hakim. Now, Hakim is very important. Hakim is very important because, you know, Pax, we're the most racist people in the entire world, right? Okay? And PATANs, yani we're like the. The like the highest racist of the racist, and yani we are like we are we are racialists. We're not even racist. We're racialists. Yeah, we're like Muslimic racialists under Iraqi law, in it? Yeah, right. That kind of racialist. So obviously, when you have this kind of yani, uh, 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 yani uh, <laughs> when you have this kind of problem, when you have this kind of thing hanging over your head, you have to uh, fulfill the quota system. You have to have an African on board, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, 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 Yani, authorities don't like it, and then they, you know, we are responsible to the charities commission, right? And if we don't show Yani, uh, Yani, an African, then so this is the guy we call the Nigerian, okay? So that's it, Hakim at Dubai. His name is Abdul Hakim But I want you to know That his name is Adabai Inda Unga, Alright But it's shorted to Adabai And we call him Hakim But he's known as Nigerian And that's not me Getting back at him In any way Because you know I'm just way above Doing that Right So he's, And also mashallah, He is easily The most handsome Of the, of the crew You look at that picture And you know Alright Uthman We have Uthman Mahmoud, MashaAllah Who is a great brother And part of prophetic guidance And then last Last. Yes, last? Suleiman. My God, have a look at this picture, please, and laugh your brains out. Please laugh your brains out. When you go home now, I want you to laugh and laugh and laugh. I told everyone, stand, and let me just take a portrait picture. You know what he does? He goes to the bathroom, combs his hair, cleans up, this, that, whatever. And then he turns like this. <laughs> and he goes... <laughs> I don't know why he's looking over there. But he turns his head like this. <laughs> so when you see his picture, I want you to know that that's what he did. Abu Nuh. He, and he also put down Abu Nuh as to, like, to protect himself. I don't know how he's going to protect himself when I'm going to say it's Sulaiman, yeah. But anyway, so I, I'm glad that you completely messed up the sound, the uh, Hakim, because it reminded me of... Uh, okay, bring up Amjad. Yeah, where's Amjad? He's not even here. And uh, Yusuf you've seen uh, as well, because his was the... A car park duty last week Which Alhamdulillah Allah saved him from This week Right And whilst we are any uh, thingy uh, In the mood for a little bit of fun and stuff Because you know A lot of people started to get a bit freaked out By the thingy I just had to say that That's all (laughs) That's all I just had to just do that Right Okay It's not because Ahmed is right in front of me (laughs) And it's not because he's best; he was then Man City fan. Um, so, I want to answer a question. I love saying that, Robin van Persie. Here we go. the The criticism. Why are we jumping in at the third level? Why are we not just focusing on the actual matter? Just Yani without the commentary. Just take the statement and go home. Why not? First reason. Because I have already taught Umda. Alright? This is a local circle. I've already taught Umda. And one of my colleagues, Sheikh Anis, is now currently teaching Umda in Merkaz Bukhari. Which is our center. The center of Sheikh Kehla. And so he's been teaching that for the last two, three years. And so uh, that's already been done. Also, Sheikh uh, Sa'idi, he has a book, and I'm going to tell you who that is in a minute, uh, called Nur al-Basair, and that is complete level one. I've already taught it over four years uh, in Manchester. So I wasn't exactly going to keep going back, keep going back. The second thing I want to say is that, you know the system, it's great. In a Muslim country, in an organized system, where the madhab is one. Where the people are kind of you know restricted and you know by restricted financially, socially, culturally, and stuff. But Physics times have changed. Now, as a person, as a traditionalist, I'd be called. You know, someone was to come in here, they wouldn't call me secularist, they wouldn't call me liberalist, they wouldn't call me modernist, they wouldn't call me progressive. They'd call me a traditionalist. Yeah. As a traditionalist, right? I want to make it clear to you that I'm not so enamored by the tradition. That yeah, that the tradition rules my every single thought and emotion. Absolutely not, absolutely not. I am very happy that Ibn Qudama has made five books in the madhab. And I'm very happy that out there, the general system is that you go to your local Mulvi and you just follow what he says until you have some kind of ability, never in your life, because it's never going to happen, to reach some scholarly level and you're going to do Ijtihad and so on. In my opinion, and I'm from that school of thought, that actually the dumbing down of the people's aspirations in trying to learn their religion has been one of the key reasons why there's been such a, a lull such a sleepiness in this Ummah for so long. We now live in a different time. The time of the Islamic revolution over the last 40-50 years now where things have changed, people are now much more energized into the religion. They call it the Sahwa, the Islamic awakening and now people are practicing, people are more invested intellectually and emotionally and, and people are now then started to technologically now advance. Knowledge is starting to get spread. The world is now no longer such a distant place. A city and a village is not what a city and a village used to be Completely dominated by one madhab, It's a global village You don't find one madhab Yani dominating anywhere Unless you're living with the Gujjis That dominate everything Yeah <laughs> Unless <laughs> Unless you're Unless you're in Old Trafford yeah, anywhere, Yani yeah, it's hard work Yani yeah, finding anything Other than Gujjis Or Blackburn Or whatever I'm sure there's some pack joints somewhere as well But Meaning that's the Meaning that's the The, uh, the exception Not the norm Right And so what I'm talking about is that the people have changed, the makeup has changed. We live in the West. We don't even live in a Muslim country. We don't even have an official mufti, an official spokesperson. We don't have official scholars. Okay? We, our entire fiqh, in my opinion, and this is very important for you when you want to understand yani many of my statements, positions, and so on. We live under the paradigm of fiqh al What's fiqh al you know, you heard this phrase, fiqhul qaliyat the fiqh of minorities. Fiqla the fiqh of minorities. A phrase which has been put together recently by some of the scholars in the last like 5-10 years once the pressure came on. You know, like the hardcore pressure upon Muslims. Post 9-11, post 7-7 for us here in the UK, where, you know, especially so, where it's now become difficult to, to be like the good old days in the 90s where we're just going to, you, know, uh, you know, go around and do what we want. Pray what we want Eat what we want Demand what we want And it was good and fun Travel everywhere Do everything And now yeah, we're pussy pussycats now Isn't it Yeah, And everything that we do And everything that we say Has to have love In, in the sentence And has to have peace yeah, In the sentence And it has to yeah, your Eyes down And you can't talk about yeah, Anything which matters anymore And you've got to be Politically correct And all that You know what I'm talking about So that whole paradigm shift Right That whole paradigm shift Has led to a change uh, In our thought process Our mindset and that mindset is reflective of the very real political reality that Muslims are under pressure. You feel that pressure. Like, I want to say something right now and I can't say it because this is being recorded. So I feel that pressure. And, and a teacher and a scholar when he's giving an opinion and they see a certain reality and they want to say certain thing but they can't because that's the pressure. Now, that pressure causes weakness. Now, the scholars will say, ah... That's okay, you're a minority population in a majority non-Muslim environment and therefore, because of your unique circumstance, we're going to develop a set of principles, fiqh principles, we're going to call the whole system fiqh al the fiqh of minorities. A fiqh, a law of jurisprudence, a system which is tailored to the fact that you're disadvantaged and that you have issues and that you have pressures which are not like the pressures that you see in a Muslim country and so on and so forth. That's great. That's fine. A lot of people, Yanni, don't like that term. I, me, I'm, I'm, I'm not fussed by that term either way. For me, it's I don't want to call it what it is. What it is. I don't believe in fakul al qaliyat. I think that we are we are being dominated by fiqhul daaf, by a reality of utter weakness where we cannot say we want to say and do we want to do. Otherwise, if we do, we'll be thrown into the sea. Right? This is a little island, miskeen island. This is yeah, and they'll just throw us, Yanni, five percent into the. We used to be three point something percent. We're now five percent. Alhamdulillah. Yani it's getting bigger. Uh, Pakistan needs to get busier more, I think. Yani. <laughs> I reckon by next sentence, we should be 25%. Inshallah. If everyone in this room goes and makes uh, at least five Muhammads and Abdullahs and Abdul Abduls, yani, then I think, I think uh, uh, Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar is yani, on the case. If we, get the, if we just get the Somalis on the case, and we say three Abdis and two Hamdis each, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> three, Hamdis, three Abdis and two Hamdis. Be careful the Imam. Be careful the Imam. Okay. The Imam, he'll have five of and five Hamdis. And we do some Zahids, and we do some, yani, uh, I don't know, some whatever. I'm sure that we can get that percentage up. I'm saying that we are really restricted by what we can say, and what we can do. And so, this reality, political reality, plus the fact that we're so many different people, so many different backgrounds, so many different experiences, mate, one madhab is not going to cut it anymore. One madhab Sticking to one opinion, it doesn't cut it anymore. We are in a time actually where there's such a different set of realities where even even the staunchest Madhab followers that say you can't look anywhere else, you will fall prey to your desires once you start going fatwa shopping and this and that. That's of course of course a real fear. A real fear. That people are going to just start to yeah, and they think, oh, it's okay. He said it's okay to follow anyone. And so therefore, he goes around, hears all his opinions. And by your, by your very nature, people are weak. And so when they see something which they think, oh, you know what, that's going to make it easy. Like classically wiping over the socks, for example. Yeah, I mean, when you stick to the madahib, you'll find that most of the madahib do not allow wiping over the socks. Yet, according to a small minority of scholars, they are passionately... Defend, uh, uh, defending the opinion that this is a correct opinion, and it's valid, and it's from the Sahaba, and we're allowed to wipe over the standard socks that we wear. The amount of people who follow a madhab, who follow that opinion, betraying the madhab, is untrue. Okay? Whether we like it or not. Whether that's right or not. I'm not interested in talking about the rights and wrongs. I'm talking about the reality. So the people have already uh, uh, done it. The people realize this. The people are also under threat of following their desires. Are these people choosing to wipe over the socks because they really believe that's the strongest opinion? Or is it because they know that if they get caught a second time with their foot in the sink in the, in the bathroom, that's like a double bestie, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's, you know, working environment and not wiping over socks. That is just mission upon mission squared, yeah? So, yeah, and it's to go back to those dark, dark days, yeah? And no one's going to go back there. You know, wiping over socks is here to stay, right? I don't care who you are, what you are, you will do it, all right? Now, what I'm going to say to you guys who do that is that you shouldn't feel so bad because even the imams of the uh, uh, scholars of our time, they practice at the high level, borrowing from other madahib here and there to give fatwa. We've seen that, especially in the new issues of فقلا قليات, especially in the issues of Mu'amalat, in uh, Islamic finance and so on and so forth. Mufti Takyul Osmani, who is someone that I have been blessed to sit with and study with, is someone who gives. Yani, he is the leading scholar in Islamic finance, and you know the main instruments that he has developed for Islamic finance in the West are not. Uh, 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 I will say that their key. Their key operational aspect is not from the Hanafi Madhab. Meaning that they will borrow so heavily from Imam Malik is untrue. And without the input of Malik, without the input of Malik into Mufti Takis fatwa, or positions, we're not going to get half of these products that we see today. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that, you know what, we are in a different time. We are in a different reality and this mixing and matching is going to be a norm and we shouldn't be scared from it but we don't embrace it and celebrate it and shout it from the rooftops either because there is a real danger there because people can lose control people can just become all these uh, scholars overnight opening books and say well it's all good it's all fair and love and war let's just pick up a book and just follow this opinion that's a real danger and that's why the scholars have always said this principle a taqwa qabl al-Fatwa that have Taqwa before you bust for fatwa. When you're looking for an opinion, have some fear of Allah first, before you're trying to find a way out with a little fatwa that's going to help you. And that's a really useful kind of maxim to use when you're looking at all of these different opinions and so on and so forth. Now, I'm just going to say to you that the quality of the Muslims in now, 2012, I'm telling you, man, that we are in a difficult, difficult moment. There are a lot of people out there who study religion, and subhanAllah, you know, I'm telling you that they're not, uh, their study is not quality. They're more focused, they'll spend like an hour, two hours in a, in a lesson, and they're more focused on tweeting something about it than spending an hour revising it and memorizing it and then acting upon it. And that's the whole, even the whole uh, uh, delivery of, of ilm, it has to be associated with something else. So no one now will go to a conference. ...of scholars unless there's some guy who's going to come and give some love song at the end, right? Mm -hmm. And no one's going to go and uh, listen to one guy unless he busts jokes at the beginning and jokes at the end... ...and that's what you remember him for. And no one's now going to go unless there's Nasheed And and entertainment is now absolutely vital to the delivery of the message. And that's a change in the quality of the people. And the scholars now have to travel to the people and think of all the ways possible to try and convince you to study... Back in the day, the people would be desperate to try and find the scholars and they wouldn't need to sell themselves at all. And when they sit down, they are the most boring people on the face of this earth. They speak like this, they hush tones, quiet, don't look anywhere, boring as anything. You'd have to be so motivated to study in that kind of environment. Because people wanted to study. So it's a different time. A different kind of scenario, different situation. And if we're there discussing opinions and looking at what we consider to be yani, a good opinion or what we consider to be weak, that's okay. At the end of the day, I want you to all know, if you follow a madhab, I want you to stick to your madhab. if you believe in that. If you want to follow the humbly madhab, I will give you the humbly position from this book. If you want to take me as your teacher, then you will take me as your teacher, as simple as that. And if you're taking me as your teacher, then that's the only reason you're doing that, is because you don't have any other resource. And you should have. And if you don't have, then you're stuck with me, and that's how muskeen you are. Yeah. So I'm just saying that you've got to identify where you are, and just take from where you see fit. And that's why uh, our approach to this uh, uh, fit is going to be in this in this fashion, right? That was important that we said that. You might be thinking, why on earth did we say all oh, that, all oh, that, all oh, that? But let's just jump straight into the uh, into the. Um, and the rest of it is pretty straightforward. I don't think that, Okay, so you need to know some terms, but we don't need to come back to these terms just yet. He's got the terms there, but I don't think I really want to talk about that uh, just right now. I want to go straight into the uh, text. Now, this is the, the text. For those people who are going to look at, uh, in one way or the other, Sharh um, مُمْتِعْ Anyone who's going to look at Sharh مُمْتِعْ which is the commentary. This is the time now to open up that file. If you're on the computer, if you have it with you, then great as well. This is the Arabic, Sharh Mumti'ah. Now, Sharh Mumti'ah is the enjoyable commentary. Or the nice commentary. Nice commentary. Uh, or easygoing commentary. Whatever. Ala al Mustaqni'ah. Now, al Mustaqni'ah, right? Remember we said that Muqni'ah that, that is the thing which gives Qana'ah. Which gives satisfaction. The satisfy. Al uh, Mustaqni' is the one who's seeking that satisfaction. Okay? So it is the seeker. We are all Mustaqni'een. Yeah, in a way. We are all people who are mustakni', Right? Uh, and Mustaqni'een is the plural, of course. Zad al Mustaqni' means the provision, the supply. Yeah? The provision of the mustakni'. So basically, what Al Hijawi. What Hajjawi did, he came all those years later after Ibn Qudama. he looked at Muqni' and he said, you know what? That's a good book. I'm going to cut that down a little bit. And I'm going to cut it down a little bit. And I'm going to make it back to somewhere on level one. And I'm going to say this book is what all you will need, the Zad, the provision of the one who's seeking contentment in the humbly madhab. And so he put this uh, text together and it's called Amatun. it's a prose text. It's not a poem. I never intended to be a poem. Even though some kind of lines like rhyme a little bit. So that's what he did. Al-Sharh al-Mumti' is a modern day commentary. The most famous commentary to this is al-Arad al-Murbi' which is by al-Bahuti. And that's يعني, studied and Nail maarib as well which is also very famous. And that's great. And we refer to that when we want to be, get pure humbly. But I'm not too fussed about humbly per se. I just want to discuss and look at the issues and let everyone kind of see and relax and chill out yeah, with the fiqh. Which is why I've gone with Sheikh Uthaymeen's Sharh. Now Sheikh Uthaymeen, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Saleh, Ibn Muhammad Ibn Uthaymeen, he is the author of this book. He was born um, in the year uh, 1926. Okay, 1926. He was born in Aneza in the Qasim region. Now Qasim is ne- is Najd, which is like... Um, so, if you're looking at the screen like this, so if this is Mecca, then uh, that's like here. Basim's is there, Riyadh is over there. So, it's like the northeast of Mecca and Medina. It's hot, dry, like they're hardcore up there, man. Yani. They're hardcore. We call them Najdis over there. And then it's very, then they're very nice people, Mashallah. But, yani, they are the hardcore. Anyway, so, that's near Riyadh and Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih Uthameen. 1926, Saudi, born to a scholarly family, studied under um, normal ulama, uh, 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 locally, memorized Quran, this, that, the And then he got involved with the big boys. Sheikh uh, Sa'idi, uh, Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Baz, Sheikh Muhammad Amin al-Shanqiti. These were his three main kind of top, top scholars. He progressed, uh, you know, super quick. He became yeah, one of the uh, scholars of the senior Uh, Boards Of fatwa And You know subhanAllah There's not much more to say about Sheikh Hussain Right In terms of you know his people or whatever And you know because a person is known by his fruit A person is known by his fruit Isn't it Yeah And he wrote 50 books at least Plus And I mean when I say 50 That's not just pure 50 books Meaning that actually his lectures were transcribed and put into books So not just by his his own hand And his books are in everything In aqidah In Inheritance, in fiqh, in usul, in hadith, in this, that, whatever, whatnot. Wallahi, wallahi, I've studied with some big people, mashallah, and I've studied with some really good people. He's the one person that I regret most, 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 that I never studied with personally. He's the one person that, you know when they say, who is that one person you wish that you could have studied with, or whatever? Sheikh Usameen would be that person. For me, for me, in the last... 30 40 years, I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to, you know, act the big man and say that he's the mujadid of the century of the last hundred years, but I will say to you that in the last 20, 30, 40 years of huge scholars, amongst them, Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Baz, amongst them, Sheikh Nasruddin Al-Albani, amongst them, Yani Abu Zahra, and amongst them, Yani Musa and all of these big, big, big ulema, I consider Sheikh uh, Saleh al-Hithaymeen the best of them, the faqih of them. And easily, this statement, the biggest loss to our ummah that we have suffered in the last 20-30 years. I am absolutely certain of that. And subhanAllah, he passed away in, I think, January 2001. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. Ah, subhanAllah, it was so depressing that day. And uh, it was a huge loss, actually, subhanAllah, because, you know, his skill... His skill was able was to be able to take a difficult issue and present it to the people in an easy way. Present it to the people in an easy way. He spent so much time teaching, 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 teaching in the masjid, in the haram, and this, that. He used to teach in the haram quite a bit. He led even salah in, in, in the haram. He led the salah in, in Haramain as well. Um, but that's Sheikh Saleh Hulthaymin. And so he wrote the commentary to this book. Now, I am going to recite the Arabic text of the introduction, okay, the introduction of Zad al-Mustaqnir. Okay, so turn to the actual text. Qala al-Mu'allifu rahimahullahu ta'ala Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi hamdan la yanfad Afdala ma yanbagi en yuhmad Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala afdalil mustafayni muhammad Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala afdalil mustafayni muhammad وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تعبد أما بعد فهذا مختصر في الفقه الفقه من مقنع الإمام الموفق أبي محمد على قول واحد وهو الراجه في مذهب أحمد وربما حذفت منه مسائل نادرة الوقوع وزدت ما على مثله يعتمد إذ الحمام قد قصرت والاسباب الْمُثَبِّتَةُ عَنَّيْنِ الْمُرَادِ قد كثرت وَمَعَ صِغْرِ حجمه حوى ما يغني عن التطويل ولا حول ولا قُوَّةَ الا بالله وهو حسبنا ونعم الوكيل so this is the this is the introduction of the author the author al-hajjawi al-hajjawi and nas wa qala rahimahullah ta'ala Meaning that the author said, May Allah have mercy. May Allah, the most high, have mercy upon him. And he started, "Bismillah al-Rahim." Okay? So we just going to have a few words, because otherwise there's going to be an uproar. People are going to say, Oh my God, we came and we sat for the entire lesson and we didn't even start the text. Because people like that. They think yani, that all of the discussion that we have about X, Y, and Z, it's nothing to do with the... Uh, Text, but actually, it is purely what I mentioned uh, uh, today in today's lesson. I'm, I mean, without an exaggeration, it had to be said. You had to have that that basis. Actually, you had to have much more. And I should have spent the rest of this session talking about Ahmed and the humble madhab and its specifics and why it's different to the other Madhab I had to, but the reason that I didn't is, as I said, I'm going to uh, put all of these resources on the forums uh, in a lot of detail. Inshallah. Bismillah rahman rahim folks. Okay. Um, Bismillah Rahmanir rahman you rahim Do you know what that's called? Bismillah. It's called the Basmala Alright And that's important because You see um, when, we, when we use Especially culturally We say Bismillah Right Now Bismillah Is not the same as The Basmala When we say Bismillah It means to say Bismillah That's exactly what it means So every language يعني, says Yalla Bismillah Huh or uh, in the Arabs will say Or they'll say uh, Right? Or something like that anyway I don't know Yeah? Punjabi lot So yani, Go ahead I think the Gujaris will say Bismillah Che Or Saru Che Or Kamcho Or something I don't know And the Somalis will say Warya Bismillah Yeah? Okay then. So uh, <laughs> And the Malaysians They will go Bismillah Bismillah only Malaysians will get that one, okay? You lot are thinking, what on hell happened there? But They love that whole behavior, and they do little bow, they put their hand like this and whatever. Malaysians are the nicest... Did I ever tell you the Malaysian are the nicest people in the world? Okay. Everyone's getting bored there, yeah? Alright. So, Bismillah is fine, and it means just to mention the name of Allah. The word Basmala, though, is, has a legal connotation. Because when you say Basmala, then that's Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim in, in its entirety. Alright? And... Um, the starting in the name... Uh, first of all, let's talk about translation. It's in the name, right? Everyone says in the name. ism, بي, بِيْ يعني in or ism, uh, name. I don't like in the name. My translation is always with the name. Okay? And it's semantic. It's semantic. Because really in the name of Allah and with the name of Allah, it's neither here nor there. Right? But that's my... Uh, 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 I prefer that much, much more. With the name of Allah. al ilah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, The great name. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course he has many many names But this is the greatest of them Al-ilah as, as Ibn Taymiyyah said That it is derived from As the God Yani from Al-ilah In the definitive And that's yani one of the opinions And there are other opinions as well But I'm happy with that Now Bismillah in Arabic Okay Is actually followed by something But it is always left out So for example Bismillahi akra Or Bismillahi Aqtub Yani I uh, uh, in the name of Allah, with the name of Allah I write Or with the name of Allah I speak Or with the name of Allah I recite Or with the name of Allah I fight or with the name of Allah I do X, Y, Z And it is left out but it is there assumed Assumed, taqdeeran, yani, this is a very important aspect in Arabic language So uh, yani, the reason I say that, and this is important When you're writing a meta, a text The focus is all up- upon being, yani wajiz al-kalam, being very summarized, very succinct, uh, bringing down the size, but making sure that every word counts and it has so much meaning. And so, therefore, you gotta cut some corners sometimes, and you gotta assume a lot of words are not there, and you gotta have a reader who's really on point. And yani, uh, uh, what I'm saying is that you're gonna be surprised. One sentence will take us like two hours to explain. And the reason for that is because if we were asked To write that sentence Then it would take us a couple of pages Everyone knows it's a lot easier to write a two page email Than it is a a three line email right? Because three lines To shorten things down is a real skill But just to flow and blurb As you can see and it's a piece of cake I can do it day and night I'll talk for the queen How's the queen anyway? Where is she these days? Anyway, so um, Bismillah So I wanted you to to, uh, know Is this a new way of telling me to hurry up? Allahu Akbar, can you show the crowd that at least, at least please? Guys, can you see this? <laughs> Allahu Akbar. <laughs> can you see that? Have you seen that? Can you put that, can you at least show the miskins at our home, Yanni, what kind of a you put me through? <laughs> uh, no. Right. I'm being shown, Yanni, a finished sign. They normally do that at a conference, and I normally ignore it, brother, so I'll just, uh, I'll just carry on then. Right. So, Bismillah rahman rahim We'll just finish up our Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Ar-Rahman is a name Of course from Rahma uh, In Arabic terms it's, the, it's an intensive Ar-Rahman meaning that The one who is like Amazingly merciful So Rahma is well known But amazingly merciful right? Incredibly merciful So it's not just merciful But the, because the, uh, the, the, the Wasn't of Rahman, okay, of Fa'al in Arabic, is a very intensive, very strong expression of the verb itself. Now, Rahman is very unique in that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets this title. You can't be called a rahman And even, even, even Rahman is a detested, many scholars consider it to be Haram, and of course Paxian, we use that name quite a bit. A lot of Rahmans around, and that's not good. Not good. And I will say, I will say that rahman is not the same as being called Ar-Rahman. There's no doubt about that. But the word Rahman is unique to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's a description. It's not an action. This is important. It's a description. When you, uh, it's never used. Like if I say to you, um, uh, let me give you an example of Rahim. Ar-Rahim means extremely merciful and specifically merciful. That's the little bit of difference between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. They're very close in meaning. But The Rahman is the one who has very wide mercy. uh, The the wide and encompassing mercy. And that's why scholars said that Rahman refers to the mercy in this world and to all Muslims and non-Muslims which encompasses every living creature. And the word Ar-Rahim, in the word Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the word Rahim is referring to a specific mercy that is for the believers. And that that mercy we feel here, and that mercy we're going to see inshallah in the akhirah as well. But the word Rahim can be used in the uh, to, for other people. So for example, if we said to another person, hey, go easy on the guy. Yeah, you know, if he's going to go out now, uh, he's, you know, he's really freaked out, he's going to go slap some guy down. And we say, yeah, just chill out. Yeah. We'll say to him, be easy on the guy. Have mercy on him. We would say, yeah? be merciful. You would never say, yeah? It's not even Arabic. It's not even possible to say be rahman" upon a person. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Rahim is something which is well known, and of course, the Prophet was described as rahim. Harisun alaikum bil Raufun rahim. Yeah. So Allah subhanahu wa taala describes the Prophet at, in the penultimate ayah. صح? Yeah, the penultimate ayah of Surah at tawbah as a prophet who is. Harisun aleikum, very concerned. Azizun uh, ma'antum. It it really upsets him when you guys are are, are suffering. Harisun aleikum. He's really concerned for you. Bil mu'minin, raufun, rahim. With the with the believers, he's very gentle and he's very merciful. Very merciful, specifically merciful. Bil mu'minin. You see that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani he predicated the Rahim with Bil Mu'mineen. So it shows that Rahim can be used for other people. You can be a Rahim, you can never be Rahman. Rahman is the general mercy, the wide-encompassing mercy, and the, the Rahim is the specific mercy. And that's the Arabic language there for you. And I just want to say that when you say Bismillah Rahman-Rahim, in translation, this becomes a mission, right? Because you have people say, with the name of Allah, the merciful, the especially merciful. And that, looks, that sounds like so silly, like it's beyond belief, right? And that's what I write. I write that because that's exactly what the meaning is. The merciful, the especially merciful. Even though it doesn't make sense. But there's other guys, they'll say, uh, in the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most compassionate, or the most generous, and the most this, that. I never understood all these words, Yani. beneficent. And they still don't even know what beneficent means. Right? And compassionate, and generous, and whatever, I don't care. Yani if, they, if they're trying to obviously make the words different, then that's okay. Anyway, I think we'll stop there. Those people who can moan, at least we'll say to them, we did the Bismillah for you, isn't it? Yeah? <laughs> that's enough, isn't it? Huh? Next week we'll see whether it's right or not. Whether it's true that you start Bismillah. Is it true? Is the hadith authentic, yani, to start Bismillah? Is it yani, something, yani, that we take barakah with? Is that, yani, correct or not? So that's what we'll do, inshallah, next week. We'll take some uh, questions, or um, if we don't want to take any questions, if you don't have any questions, then that's not a problem, because I'm more, more than happy to sit here and just sing, Rob, <laughs> <me from person. laughs> Rob, Or I can say, we do what we want, we do what we want, we're man united, and we do what we want. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm delighted. So, the longer that you guys sit here and say, No, we've got no more questions, we've got nothing to ask, then I'm relaxed. Are we good? Ah, listen, guys, uh, very good. Okay, Jazakumullah khair. I think, it, uh, no, no questions, yes, because uh, if no questions, then we're going to cl- cut the live transmission. Okay, yeah. Is yeah. Yes, no, no, it's from my own Sheikh, Sheikh Ahlan as well. The, uh, Abu Harad is asking the concept of Fiqh al Da'af. Is this something which has some precedent? By the way, of course it does. You will find all of the ulama, they will give a different fatwa for a person who is in a a position where there's difficulty. The real issue is that what have they called that reality today? So the fatah we have existed for a person who's in, like for example, the debate about whether it's halal to take riba in Darul Harb. Why are we talking about Darul Harb as a as a, as a context because it's understood that fiqh al-da'af يعني, rules that yeah? rules the, the, the decisions that are going to be made there so there's a new paradigm that paradigm they will call today fiqh al qaliyat we would call it a fiqh of weakness they'll call it يعني, just a, a hypothesis or whatever do you know what understand you know what I'm saying? but the, the word fiqh al-da'af is from my own teachers and I, I find it to be more expressive and less controversial than fiqh qaliyat Because fiqh al is almost trying to say that it doesn't matter whether you're weak or not. You're a minority and so just yani, take concessions. We say we don't want concessions and neither should any Muslim expect concessions because they're living as a minority. We say that if you have problems because of your reality as living as a minority, then you will take a concession. There's a difference between the two. And I'm amongst those that don't, I'm not happy or comfortable with the... Yani, for the uh, growing movement. Uh, are, we, are we good? Are we done? So if that's done, then we'll call everyone online. I'll see you guys next week.